Formosa Files is sponsored by the Frank C. Chen Cultural Foundation. Frank Chen, Chen Qi Tuan, served as the mayor of Kaohsiung City from 1960 to 1968 and founded the Kaohsiung Medical College. Formosa Files. Thank you for listening. And today we got something a little bit different for you. So although Formosa Files is a history podcast about Taiwan, our stories often take us off the island for needed background or context. And that includes whether we're going to northern Vietnam to explain why the French attacked Taiwan back in the 1880s or down to the Dutch East Indies in the 1600s. We also travel up to Japan sometimes, and especially we go over to China's Fujian province a lot, well, you know, right across the Taiwan Strait. Basically, to understand a country properly, you need to move beyond national borders. Indeed, it's vital to zoom out from Taiwan for a wider perspective. Eric, as you know, I'm a man with a weakness for the cartographical. Or, um, in plain English, you love maps. Yes, my only weakness. Well, <laughs> maybe not my only weakness, but like many people, uh, I love looking at maps. So, Eric, uh, if we zoom out from the main island of Taiwan, what do we notice? Well, a rather huge continent to the west and a huge empty expanse of ocean to our east. And northeast and south? Ah, a long chain of islands running all the way up from the Philippines to Taiwan and then onwards to the main islands of Japan. These islands are what geopolitical strategists call the first island chain. That is the first chain of major island groups out from the East Asian continent. Yes, the first island chain. Rather continent-centric uh, phrasing for a, a magnificent line of archipelagos, which deserve to be looked at on their own terms. And a rather colorless phrase compared to the real thing. From the large Philippine island of Luzon, we have the Babuyan Islands, the Batanas Islands, and then Taiwan. And heading northeast, the Ryukus. The Ryukus are over a thousand kilometers of island clusters, uh, the Yaiyama Islands, then the Miyako Islands, and then in the middle, the Okinawa Islands, uh, the main name Okinawa, given its name to the prefecture, and then more islands all the way up to Kyushu. That's a lot of islands. And some people may not be aware, but the closest foreign island to Taiwan doesn't belong to the PRC, but rather to Japan. Mainland Taiwan's nearest neighbor is Japan, the island of Yonaguni, the first of the Ryukyus, and it's in that uh, Yaeyama group that you mentioned. Yonaguni Island lies about 110 kilometers from Taiwan's northeast coast, so that's, whoa, like 2,000 kilometers from Tokyo. Yonaguni, I'm reading here, is an area of 28.88 kilometers, square kilometers, about 10 kilometers by 3 kilometers. And from the island's western cliffs, if you got the right weather, you can see the mountaintops of Taiwan. Yonaguni has a population of about 1,500 people. That's down from about 12,000 in 1947. It's little visited, yet has several claims to fame. Uh, in winter, scuba divers are attracted by the gathering of hammerhead sharks. <laughs> yeah, I'm a scuba diver, but I'm not sure about the hammerhead sharks. 
And it was scuba divers actually there who stumbled upon in the 1980s some underwater rock formations, which look like giant man-made steps. And they've been, uh, I guess, creatively interpreted as evidence of a lost continent of the Pacific. Not credible to anyone but uh, the most, let's say, amateur of historians. Uh, John, let's not forget, we are amateur historians, although (laughs) admittedly not of the tinfoil hat-wearing variety. Anyway, we will uh, try to post some photos or pictures of those rock formations on our new website. And yes, we have a new website, www.formosafiles.com. Go check it out. So these rock formations are supposedly, right, this submerged settlement from a lost continent. The principal structure, they call it something like the Yonaguni Underwater Pyramid or Underwater Monument or something. Yeah, these rock structures are natural. Nature does, after all, occasionally produce straight lines and sharp edges. A few scientists have suggested that the structures are natural features, yes, but modified by humans. And given their depth underwater, this modification would have had to have occurred before it was submerged by rising sea levels. So at the end of the Ice Age, about 10, 11,000 years ago. Hmm. Even though accepting some limited human action, jumping from that to some lost civilization across a wide area on a sunken continent, or I guess what you <laughs> would call the Pacific Atlantis, that's a, that's a leap of creativity. But it does pose the question, were there people on the islands at the end of the Ice Age? And did they come from Taiwan? There were people in the area uh, from where it's disputed, probably from Taiwan, but replaced by peoples moving down from the Japanese islands. Uh, So the languages in the Ryukyu area are from the Japan language family, but uh, different languages on the uh, different island groups. Right. With so little known about prehistory, it's no wonder that people speculate. But we don't actually need to stretch back millennia for unsolved mysteries. Very little is known of contact between Taiwan and Yonaguni and the other islands in the Ryukyus before the 1900s. But this lack of evidence suggests little contact. Well, of course, until the Japanese colonial period. And, you know, that really does seem quite odd, given that it's so close. Yes. The islands, which were part of an entity called the Ryukyu Kingdom from 1609 to 1879, was a kind of fake setup, a Japanese vassal, but presented as independent. And Japan was following an isolationist policy and had limited contact with Taiwan. Mm. So the Japanese not only prohibited private trade and exchanges with foreign countries, but they also wanted to keep its vassal status of the Ryukyu Kingdom a secret. But that status changed with the rise of a newly opened Japan, or forced to open. They Mm. formally annexed the Ryukyu Kingdom in 1879 and formed what uh, is still today Okinawa Prefecture. During the Japanese colonial period in Taiwan, 1895 to 1945, there were close relations, uh, especially Yonaguni and the other islands in the southern Yayayama uh, and Mayako groups. 
Come Japan's surrender in August 1945, there were approximately 320,000 Japanese civilians and 160,000 military personnel in Taiwan. And about 30,000 of those had registered their addresses in Okinawa Prefecture. You said they had registered their addresses in Okinawa Prefecture? Yeah,、uh, there were many Okinawans who registered as being from other prefectures. Okinawa had only recently come into、uh, Japan, and the people weren't considered fully Japanese. They suffered discrimination. Much better for your career if you said you were from Japan.、Mm. Okay, so more quote unquote Okinawans in Taiwan than that 30,000 figure. Who were these people? These people were fairly diverse. Some had emigrated from Okinawa before the war. There were migrants looking for work or education. Others were drafted and came to Taiwan as members、uh, of the Japanese military. Still others were、uh, born in Taiwan,、uh, second or third、uh, generation Okinawan immigrants. So、uh, a mix of temporary and long term settlers, and、uh, mostly here as a result of Japan's 50 years of colonial rule. But when the nationalists or the Guomindang government took over Taiwan in 1945, the Japanese were told to leave for their home country. Even though for many of these people, home was here. Yeah, and of course the changeover is chaotic, and Chinese nationalists are still fighting a war,、uh, fighting against the communists back in China. So it takes time, especially for those from the main island of Okinawa, to be、uh, repatriated. While other Japanese were sent back in early 1946, Okinawans were left behind. The U.S. government would not allow them to land on Okinawa Island. So in October 1946, more than a year after the end of World War II, there were still more than 10,000 Okinawans stranded in Taiwan. So while these Okinawans are waiting to get home, let's go back to the start of the close relationship with Taiwan. So after declaring Japan's complete conquest of Taiwan on March 23, 1896, the colonial Japanese government relaxed the travel restrictions on Japanese civilians arriving in Taiwan. Like the rest of the Japanese immigrant population, most of the Okinawans that came here settled in the Taipei or Geelong areas.、Hmm. And a lot of the migrants came here from、uh, the Yayayama Islands.、Uh, that's the first island group in、uh, Ryukyu's. So that would include、uh, Yonaguni. That's right.、Uh, Yonaguni and about 30 other islands. Trade with colonial Taiwan became important, and with that, a flow of people. Yayayama Islanders traveled and migrated to Taiwan for work, education, and also curiosity.、Uh, the pull of the city for streetlights and、uh, flushing toilets. <laughs> Taiwan represented civilization. That came from what people heard, what they saw in newspapers, and also local developments on the islands. They had a Taiwan flavor. Health programs copied from Taiwan, improved rice varieties and techniques from Taiwan, and so on. You can understand the pull of Taiwan. There are perhaps no historical links, but that's not necessarily a problem. Their history as part of the Ryukyu Kingdom wasn't exactly a positive one. They had kind of suffered under Okinawa Island's dominance. You know, if you're a teenager on a backward island and over the blue horizon lies this enticing modern city life, you you might try your luck. 
But of course, as we know from lots of other stories from around the world, the reality of getting to the big city uh, is uh, usually very different. Especially for women, uh, job options were limited. Uh, A few worked as nurses, typists, some as factory workers. But by far, the most common job was being a domestic servant. You lived with a family. Uh, These are Japanese families rather than uh, Taiwanese ones. And you did various household chores, cooking and cleaning. Long hours, poor pay, and little time off. But I'm going to guess that a domestic worker's experience would still be the luck of the draw, yeah, whether you got a nice family or not. Yes, and probably better than factory work. Uh, And domestic service could be a means for self-improvement. Working for an upper-class family allowed a girl to learn proper Japanese etiquette, learn to speak proper Japanese. So a poor country girl from a remote island could elevate her status and in in so doing, raise her marriage prospects. Uh Aha. So people, of course, also came from the main island of the Ryukyus, Okinawa Island itself, which at that time had a strong tradition of migrating for work. Many Okinawans migrated to other countries, often for like plantation work, sugarcane, that kind of stuff. Some of them went to Hawaii. There's a pretty famous group of them there. And also to Japan's recently acquired Micronesian islands like uh, Saipan, for example. They were hired through brokers and there were contracts, but Okinawan migration to Taiwan was very different. That's right. A lot freer, uh, not through companies. And it was varied work. Um, Most Okinawans were in big cities rather than rural areas. Okinawan youths would uh, turn up without a job and using contacts, find work in a shop or factory, and they'd change jobs to, uh, to move up the food chain. A few years later, they might get a government job, become a policeman or a mail carrier. And those looking to improve themselves often attended night school or acquired skills by becoming an apprentice. Right, because a feature of Okinawan migration to colonial Taiwan was education. Taipei offered educational opportunities not found on these tiny little islands nearby. For instance, there were no universities at all in Okinawa Prefecture, not even on the main island. The medical school in Taipei was one of the especially attractive destinations. Mm. There was another group of people from Okinawa Prefecture related to World War II. Uh, Soldiers. I was actually thinking of another group, but yes, there were some soldiers. Yeah, the Okinawans kind of had the worst of both worlds. Since annexation into Japan, they'd been regarded as Japanese with with the brackets around it, you know, Japanese, Mm. but not quite. Not pure Japanese, but sadly, they were still good enough for conscription into the armed forces. Unlike the Taiwanese, who were luckier on that score, Taiwanese were actually excluded from being drafted into the Japanese military until 1945. The Okinawans got a tough deal all round with World War II. The island was chosen by the Japanese to be a sacrificial zone where the army could bloody the Americans. And wow, if you think about their history, it, uh, yeah, not, not a nice deal. So who was this other World War II group you're thinking of then? Evacuees. Um, in the latter part of the war, some Okinawans uh, voluntarily evacuated to Taiwan, thinking Taiwan to be safer. And then this became official policy, and they were ordered to evacuate. Evacuees in Taiwan. I have never heard of that. 
uh, in the summer of 44, the authorities announced that 100,000 women, children, and elderly from the Ryukyu Islands needed to evacuate. Hell was coming. Uh, hell was coming indeed. That was intensive bombing and ground battles. Those islands became killing fields where, in the Japanese mind, the Americans had to be stopped there because if they weren't, then it would be a, a hop, step, and a jump to the Japanese home islands. So these evacuees, islanders uh, in the north part of the island chain would head to Kyushu, but those on the southern islands uh, were to go to Taiwan. However, many residents were reluctant to leave their home islands. Yeah, I can see that. Leaving your homes and your livelihoods is never a happy thing. And of course, so many ships were being sunk during that time. It's very dangerous to move around. Well-founded fears. Uh, one of these uh, evacuation vessels, the Tsushima Maru, uh, which was sailing from Naha uh, in Okinawa uh, in the late summer of 44, sailing to Kyushu, carrying nearly 1,700 evacuees, including about 800 schoolchildren. Uh, it was attacked by an American submarine. The ship sank and only 227 evacuees survived. That's from 1,700. Yeah, but for the war evacuees in Taiwan, um, of which there were, I think, about 12,000, it was a good place to be compared to Okinawa. Yeah, definitely. Like I was saying before, it's, it's hard to even wrap your head around. The battle there in Okinawa, which lasted from April to June 1944, is known as the Typhoon of Steel for its ferocity. The, the death toll was ridiculously outrageous. More than 12,000 Americans and get this, 100 100,000 Japanese military dead. And more sadly, 100,000 civilians died. Most awfully were those who were ordered to commit suicide by the Japanese military. Okinawa lost over a third of its population. So after this Okinawa typhoon of steel, in many expert historians' arguments, they say the use of uh, atomic bombs then was just a certainty. And Japan's surrender came on August 15th, right? So on Taiwan, the formal handover occurred in October. And as we said earlier, there were almost half a million Japanese in Taiwan, military, other people, half a million or so. And of that number, 30,000 of them were from Okinawa Prefecture. So the Japanese are ordered to leave, but, you know, it takes some time to pack up and get home. Yeah, with the handover, there's a severing of transport and trade links between Taiwan and Japan, um, those nearby islands. But the fishing boats continue to come, uh, especially the Yonaguni Islanders, so dependent on Taiwan for essential goods and also as a market for their fish. And those Yonaguni fishing vessels carried people home. Those who didn't feel like waiting for the KMT's official announcement of Japanese repatriation. Most of the fishing boats, so right, they'd either be in Geelong or Suao on the East Coast, where Okinawan fishermen had mostly been based. So Okinawans heading to these southern islands, they had to go to these ports, find a captain who was willing to go illegally, and then wait until the boat had enough passengers or cargo. And you got to make sure there's no patrol boats in sight. If you're from Yonaguni or another of those southern islands, are you going to wait uh, in a camp uh, for who knows how long for official word of repatriation? Or are you going to jump on a boat and head home? 
pretty easy call. My home is just over the horizon. I want to see parents, friends get on with my life. And the United States mandated territory is a lot more appealing than the very chaotic nationalist civil war rule that was going on on Taiwan at the time. Yeah, a lot of people had the same idea, and they left before official permission was granted. I don't know. Have you seen photos of、uh, these people lined up? They've just got、uh, two bags of、um, luggage each. There was a restriction on what they could take.、Mm, but leaving unofficially by private vessel would be a risky endeavor. Of course, you got to sneak past those nationalist patrol boats I mentioned earlier. Yep. Traveling、uh, at top speed and typically overloaded, so there were tragedies, such as on、uh, November first, nineteen forty-five. A small boat was、uh, heading to Mayako Island with about a hundred and eighty people. Only、uh, about two dozen of them made it. For many from the nearest island groups, so that would be the Yaeyama and Miyako. These migrants left by their own means, but for others, especially those from further afield on the island chain and those who had arrived as war evacuees, they were dependent on the Japanese government to get off Taiwan, and it was different for them. These war evacuees are destitute; they can't afford a boat fare. They're scrambling to find food. They're unemployed. Thankfully, the Japanese in Taiwan were pretty good at organizing mutual aid societies, and、uh, some longer-term Okinawans they created an association to help their fellow Okinawans, the APO, the Association for People from Okinawa.、Uh, yeah, a mutual aid organization.、Uh, in January 1946, just over 500 former war evacuees from the Southern Islands departed from Geelong, but Those from the main island of Okinawa weren't allowed to leave. The U.S. military government on Okinawa wouldn't allow it. The Americans said they weren't ready to house and feed any incomers.、Mm, and I guess America did have a bit of a point in this case. This was one of the holocausts of the Pacific War. Food production was wiped out. Fishing fleets utterly destroyed. The great majority of houses are in ruins. Farmland has been blasted into smithereens and full of、um, leftover bombs and other ordnance. The civilians are in refugee camps set up and being run by the U.S. military, and the U.S. military is using Okinawan land to build bases. And I think it's worth reminding people that it was the Americans that ran Okinawa all the way from 1945 until 1972. When the islands finally were reverted to Japanese sovereignty, yes,、uh, the Americans were building bases, but、uh, not as much as you might think. Right after the war, in time, the Americans will develop Okinawa into a keystone military location, but not yet. That would come a few years later.、Uh, immediately post-war, it was a, a hardship posting,、uh, underfunded and understaffed.、Um, it, it was hard for the Americans to deal with all the、uh, newcomers,、uh, those returning Okinawans from、uh, Micronesia, Hawaii, South America,、uh, mainland Japan, and elsewhere. So the authorities in Taiwan,、um, they could have sent Okinawans to mainland Japan and said,、oh, "This is your problem." But thankfully, they granted the Okinawans permission to remain in Taiwan. They got that association for people from Okinawa to sort out who was Okinawan and who was a Japanese mainlander, and then issue certificates. 
That wasn't exactly easy because you have Japanese mainlanders who want to hide their identities so they can remain in Taiwan as uh, Okinawans. And remember those Okinawans who had changed their place of origin to uh, Japanese mainland prefectures uh, you know, for career advancement? Right. Now they're trying to reverse that. They're like, hey, I was just kidding about that me coming from Tokyo thing. Actually, um, I'm Okinawan. <laughs> Yeah. Among the Okinawans stuck in Taiwan were soldiers. And for those not heading to the Japanese mainland or uh, leaving privately for nearby islands, uh, there were approximately 800 Okinawan soldiers um, stuck in Geelong. And they were formed into the Ryukin government army and put under police, Taiwan police direction, put to work cleaning streets. The book I read um, for this episode says that the ROC police offered them Mandarin lessons, ROC anthem lessons, and classes on the three principles of the people. <laughs> hmm. I wonder wow. how welcome that was. Yeah. Um, repatriation from Taiwan to the main island of Okinawa began in late October 1946. And over the next few months, 10,000 Okinawans returned home. But it's a bittersweet return home. Yeah, that's one way of putting it. It's... Uh... It's a heck of a homecoming. You're coming back to a totally destroyed island, so many people dead. And it's an alien land for some of these second-generation Okinawans who were born in Taiwan. It's totally new for them. They've never been there before. And instead of some ancestral home, you end up in a tent or other temporary housing in a refugee camp. Uh, the people repatriated from Taiwan were at least bringing education, technical and management skills to their homelands, unlike those returning from Micronesia or other places where Okinawans were agricultural workers growing and cutting sugarcane. The returnees from Taiwan were educated. They included doctors, teachers, officials, a significant number of former policemen, public officials. Mm, good point, because uh, this is going to be helpful because Okinawa had lost many of its leaders or future leaders. There was a vacuum for these returnees to fill. Yes, uh, these repatriates from Taiwan took leading roles in politics and industries in Okinawa and played an important part in Okinawa's post-war development. So after the repatriation, did any Okinawans stay on Taiwan? Some technicians and some fishermen in fishing companies. Okinawans were prized for their fishing expertise, uh, but we're talking very small numbers. Yeah, but informal trade flourished for a time between uh, the southern Ryukus and Taiwan. <laughs> informal trade. Is that um, uh, one of your euphemisms for smuggling? Yes. Uh, <laughs> yes, smuggling. Uh, though this declined after trade relations with Japan were formally reestablished, I think, in 1952. Mm. So unfortunately, we don't have time to discuss Taiwan-Okinawa links in the post-war decades or the nearby disputed Senkaku or Diaoyutai Islands, Ooh, those ones are uh, uh, a minefield, um, metaphorically. But we'll be back to our northern neighbors in some future episodes. And John, this time around, how about we shake things up a little bit with a travel recommendation rather than a book one? And we'll throw that up on the new website, www.formosafiles.com. Thank you for listening to Formosa Files. I'm Eric Michael Smith. I'm John Ross. Bye.